0: Hi there, welcome to the Cultivating Community podcast, the podcast that brings agricultural education for Montana's youth straight to your smartphone. I'm your host, Hayes Holland. Today I'll be joined by Belgrade FFA chapter members Kaylee Reed and Alexa Smea, as well as Belgrade FFA's chapter advisor, Mr. Kyle Gap. We will be discussing the shortage of agricultural educators, as well as what interests us in a career in that field. A couple of quick updates. For those of you who listened to our original episode we will not be doing a draft we decided that takes up too much time as much as it was pretty fun we would still like to involve a segment that includes you the listener into this episode so if you have any ideas on a new segment we should try out Email podcast at gmail.com. Belgrade FFA will be selling t shirts and hats. So if anybody would like to buy some Belgrade FFA swag, talk to a Belgrade FFA chapter member and you right up. And now for the podcast. This is Blue Jackets by Sam Smith. This future farmer's got it in his heart. And it is FFA Blue Jackets where it starts. We got brothers and sisters all across this land, wearing them old blue
1: jackets. This country's in their hands,
2: and
3: they're gonna
1: worry the Put the food on the table, and they're gonna lead the way.
3: As long as they're
1: able, don't
0: worry, America. These blue jackets have you covered. Welcome back to the next episode of the Fourth Community Podcast. Today I'm joined by Alexa Simea, Kaylee Reed, and Mr. Gavin from the Belgrade FFA chapter. How are you guys doing today? Doing good. Good, thanks for having us. Yeah, sure good. thing. Thank you guys for being here. So, today we are talking about Aged. I figured Alexa was a good fit because she teaches at Farm Fair and competes in ag ed. Kaylee also competes in ag ed and is planning to be an ag ed teacher when she gets older and Mr. Gavin is the advisor for the AFA chapter of Belgrade, Montana. So, I think we've got a pretty good crew here. I'd like to talk mainly about what AgED means to you guys. I've also noticed a lot of people talking about the shortage of AgED teachers. Um, there's not as many agricultural youth programs anymore, so I just want to get you guys two cents on that. First off, I'd like to ask each of you guys, uh, what appeals to you most about ag Ed, a career in, the, in that field? Um, what of it appeals to you now?
1: Oh Well, I started off by saying that I was never ever going to be an ag teacher, and then I got sucked into teaching some fourth graders about my pigs because no one else had pigs in the valley at that time. So that's kind of how it started for me. And then I realized that outside of those one or two kids that really just needs to get some more experience in life, there was a lot of fun with the teaching. So now I'm kind of exploring my options in the agricultural education field of life
0: awesome and um how long have you been teaching at farm fair
1: i've been teaching farm fair for about three years now i believe
0: nice
2: um i have always wanted to be a teacher but when i got started in FA, it made me realize that i wanted to teach agriculture and then just always be a part of the organization through getting other kids into it and teaching them
0: awesome mr gavin why did you decide to be an ag ed teacher
3: Um, I grew up in agriculture. I was raised on a small cattle and vegetable farm and we owned some land that we leased out. And so always growing up in 4-H and competing against the FFA kids, I was a little jealous of that they got to go take agriculture classes and compete all the time when I had to go to a school that didn't have an agriculture program or FFA. So when I got to choose my career, I was a terrible student in high school and said I never wanted to go back to school. And I picked a different major in college, moved to Montana, and then started to get involved in Montana FFA and hosting events, which led me to switching my major to agricultural education and becoming an ag teacher, where I get to connect with outstanding students every day and that are passionate about agriculture and just want to learn where their food comes from.
0: Now I didn't realize that you weren't from here. I always thought you grew up in Montana. Where are you from?
3: I'm from California Salinas California it's the vegetable capital of the world
0: all right on nice so what vegetables did you guys
3: grow while you were growing up Montana as a state grows about 12 crops commercially the valley I grew up in grows about 250 crops each season
0: oh wow next question is for you guys um so you just competed in ag ed at um j days correct correct all right so would you guys each like to tell me a bit about the lessons you prepared
1: Well, I prepared mine on shock a swine-related topic of ear notching. I picked this topic because a lot of people misinterpret ear notching and why we do it. So I just wanted to make sure that I was able to share with these students why ear notching is important and what it actually truly means and how to do it. Because even as a swine producer, it is complicated to read sometimes, so we just want to make sure it's as clear as possible for some of the next generation coming into ag.
2: My lesson was on chick deformities and success rates and I chose to teach on this because I teach second graders about chicks and like I hatch them with them, so I already knew a lot about the topic, but I wanted to also pick something that would keep the students engaged and paying attention and having fun while I was teaching them. So I ultimately landed on chick deformities. Nice.
0: And then for your lessons you had to have a hands-on aspect, correct? Did you have the uh, students do some of your notching on their own?
1: Yes, I had made some little paper plates to look like pigs, cut out some little ears for them and then wrote down a notch I would like them to notch and uh, provided them with live ear notchers so that way they had a idea of how it was actually done and so realized how complex it is to find a number and think of how you can make that number as efficiently as possible in a swine ear. So the, it was actually fairly hands-on and the guys seemed to really enjoy it. So Nice.
2: Mine was using Easter eggs to have like our own class hatch and so each Easter egg had an outcome of whether it survived normally or if it had a small deformity or a larger deformity that made it unable to survive and then we calculated the class success rate.
0: Nice. And Mr. Gavin, when you were going through your your education for this career, did you ever have to do anything like this?
3: Yeah, in school and college, you have to teach all kinds of practicum lessons to your classmates who are pretending to be students and then go to actual schools and then teach high school students for a couple of lessons. Some of my favorite lessons were the mechanics side of lessons, getting to work and hands-on with engines or electricity and looking at animal genetics and kind of working through some of that stuff. It was always pretty entertaining.
0: Nice. So... The next thing I want to talk about was the shortage of ag ed teachers. Right, I think that um, think that there definitely is a shortage of ag ed teachers and not as many kids as you'd expect to be interested in careers in agriculture, not as many kids as you'd expect in 4-H and FFA programs. So what do you guys think is causing that?
1: Well, directly coming from an agricultural background, I've seen that with the rising costs of literally anything and everything, agricultural and just ag in general is just falling apart. Less than 2% of the US population is farmers and ranchers. So just to think about that, there's not going to be that many children of that 2% that are actually going to stay in agricultural pursuits of life because ag is just being uprooted to turn into literally anything shopping malls. I have seen some of the best land here, the Gallatin Valley uh, be sold out from underneath farmers and turn into Suburbs of any type, so that's going to be our main problem. Is the there just aren't any farmers and ranchers left anymore? So that is directly yeah, affecting everyone's knowledge about ag.
0: Absolutely, and um, I I've seen a lot of that around here. I mean, I mean everyone wants to move here, see what Montana's like, as it is on all the TV shows. Um, one particular that I'm not sure I'm, I should name here, but I think we all know the one. I I think a lot of people realize that it isn't that way then they just try and bring the place that they left right back with them. My dad has some hunting land up in Lewistown. We bird hunt there and every time someone hears the word from the Gallatin County they immediately just just give us the cold shoulder. They think we're just there to try and develop everything. I guess that's just what the county's known for at this point. So yeah I think that absolutely is a uh, a huge factor in it.
2: I would also definitely say that a lot of the school districts don't have the funding or they just don't want to take the time to build an ag program like bozeman does not have any ag classes at all and i know that there's been a couple schools that have tried to get rid of their ag programs to put funding elsewhere so just the school's willingness to have ag programs
3: Hold on yeah i think that having an ag program in a high school has a huge benefit to the community and everyone eats food every day and so learning where that food comes from and how it's produced is pretty important to students but not all school districts put value on that which is fine but the students that do have those opportunities are pretty blessed and in montana there's just over 100 agriculture programs and ffa chapters currently about 10 open positions and for communities that want an agriculture teacher and just don't have the ability to hire one because of a teacher shortage a lot of that plays into the financial side of it, it's hard to make a living being a teacher, especially an ag teacher who's putting in extra hours running an FFA chapter. And unless the school district pays them well, it's hard to hang on to the really good ones. It is tough to encourage a student that wants to be an agriculture teacher to take that on because it's kind of a sacrifice sometimes. Yeah, It's a
0: career that I've been thinking about myself and I have thought about a lot of those aspects of it, but I still think, I mean, you know, I grew up in 4-H and Now I'm doing FFA now that I'm in high school, and I mean, I I love it. It's an amazing program, and I'd love to be the guy who gets to share that with the next generation. Now, with that, what would you say to someone who is considering being an ag ed teacher?
3: And there are some downsides that we just talked about, but the upsides greatly outweigh it for me. And getting to work with students that are driven and have passions in agriculture leadership is it's pretty fun, and, and to see them progress from the first day of their freshman year until the day they graduate, both competing and in class, is, is pretty awesome.
0: Right on. When you, uh, when you were originally deciding that you wanted to be an ag-ed teacher, I forgot to ask this earlier, were you automatically assuming that you would also be an F A advisor, or did you pick one over the other, or did one job just kind of happen to come with the other?
3: The school answer is that there's a three-circle model to agricultural education. The three circles are all intertwined and interconnected, and you have to have all three to have a good ag ed program. So you have to have ag classes being taught at the school that your students are taking. Then the second piece is FFA and students learning about leadership and competing through FFA. And then the third piece is your supervised agricultural experience where students are outside of school, outside of FFA, working in some sort of job or project that's ag related. and as I was looking at jobs, I knew about that, and I knew that I had to do all three. And I do a good job, I think, in the classroom. I do a good job in FFA. I do struggle encouraging students to get outside of those two things because we put in so much time on the other two.
0: Yeah. Right on. You were mentioning the, uh, the SAEs a bit with that. Um, so I'd like to ask you guys, what do you guys have for your SAEs? I'd like you to share a bit about that with your audience.
1: Uh, My SAE is my business called Starlight Showpigs. I breed and raise uh, showpigs to sell to other 4-H and FFA members to take around to fairs or jackpots all throughout, primarily right now, the state of Montana. But I'm hoping that we can continue to grow in my business and get to be a more nationwide type of showpig operation. But that's a slow process to start out with nothing because no one else in my family had any... Swine experience outside of my mom, she had a very little bit of swine experience, so I was kind of making everything up as I go. Right now, I have pigs in my dad's shop, and let's just say that is not ideal for me or him right now, so it's just taking some time to get from the ground up, essentially.
0: Jeez, if I started keeping pigs in my dad's shop, I don't think I'd be allowed to go in there anymore.
2: I'm pretty sure he was going to kill me. (laughs)
0: Alright, so what's your SAE, Kaylee?
2: I educate second graders about chickens and their uses and then i also have like a more hands-on aspect for them and we hatch a group of chicks every year
0: nice so then what what do you do with those because i remember always doing that when i was little but i never remembered what happened with them after that do they so do just my get cousins egg, or?
2: are chicken farmers and they raise chicks and chickens for egg production so we just give them the chickens after that so that we know that they're being used
0: nice So then do they have to pick out the chicks at first since they know they're getting them, or is it just kind of they're happy to get whatever they can?
2: They're just pretty happy to get what they can, and I have younger cousins too, so if they don't lay very well, they just kind of keep them as pets.
0: Right on. Nice. Mr. Gavin, you said you weren't
3: in FFA when
0: you were younger, correct? That's correct. So did you do any any 4-H or show anything at the fair or anything like that?
3: Yep, so I was in 4-H, and as a clover bud at six years old all the way through high school when I graduated. And through 4-H, I showed pigs, steers, rabbit or two, and I did vegetable judging.
0: Nice. Is that something that FFA does? I've never heard of vegetable judging because I know there's always a few extra judging
3: things that I've never heard of come up every once in a while at contests. Vegetable judging isn't a nationally recognized contest, but in California and some of the states that produce a lot of vegetable products, and it's very similar to livestock judging, except you're looking at vegetables. You would be identifying different types of vegetables, and then there's some placing classes and reasons classes where you would look at maybe like four bunches of carrots and decide, best to worst, what order they go in. All
0: right. Okay, so... We were talking earlier about the shortage in kids interested and in adults interested in teaching ag ed. So what are some solutions that you guys think could help that?
1: Well, to me, agricultural education isn't just with children. There are so many young adults and even fully grown adults that still think that vegetables or meat just comes from the grocery store. So growing up in ag, you know that that's not true. So to me you have to be able to educate both yes the next generation but the current generation that is just as clueless about
2: agricultural production. Hold on. I would definitely say getting programs in the places that don't have them would be a great start but then you would also have to try to convince kids to join after that so just having more programs like we have Farm Fair for the younger generations and just trying to get more out there with all the groups so maybe another version of Farm Fair for older kids it's a little more complicated or just something else to get them more involved.
0: So I didn't think about this earlier but we keep on mentioning Farm Fair and I'm sure a lot of folks outside of the Gallatin County probably don't really know what that is so would any of you guys like to give them a quick description about what that is?
1: Um, farm Fair is a three-day program that happens out in a farm outside of Manhattan, Montana. There's 16 stations. We take groups of fourth graders around, the FFA kids and the Belgrade FFA chapter volunteer to lead these groups around to all of these stations. These stations are all agriculturally related, like they get to make a homemade ice cream with the cattle women station, they get to talk about pigs with me, I uh, teach them about pigs and they get to pet the pigs and they get hands-on experience that way. There's a goat station, there's a beekeeping station, there's weed station, there's four-wheeler ATV safety station, all of these different aspects of agriculture being brought to these children for 15-minute time intervals. They get to come and be with you, and you get to teach them as much as you can in those 15 minutes while still keeping them engaged.
0: Nice. Has this chapter always done uh, farm fair? Have we always guided the kids around like we did this year?
3: Uh, I've been teaching for eight years now. We've done it each of those eight years. What do you guys think is your favorite part about getting to do that?
1: Well, my favorite part is in my little spiel about uh, the pigs, I talk a little bit about the direct products that come from pigs and the byproducts that come from pigs. And a lot of children are just fascinated by, um, yes, they understand meat. Some of them understand meat comes from pigs. Not all of them, but some of them do. And then hardly any of them understand that, products such as marshmallows or gelatin or makeup come from pigs. So just being able to watch some of these children's faces as they realize in both awe and in horror that some of their favorite things come from a pig and they're just completely shocked when I showed them that pigs love to eat marshmallows after I just told them that marshmallows come from pigs.
0: So. That's something I didn't realize, that uh, makeup was actually from pigs. I, I heard about marshmallows. That's the uh, gelatin from the fat, correct? Correct. So wh- what part of the pig makes makeup?
1: Actually, the fatty acids, the same stuff that would make marshmallows, uh, makes the makeup stick. I had a kid a few years ago that said, um, when I explained that to them, they were like, oh my gosh, so that's why my mom looks like a pig. <laughs>
3: <laughs> and let's just
1: say there was some, some good laughter about that for. Temper- the rest <laughs> of the time we had together.
0: I keep on thinking every year we do that, we need to make one of those kids say the darndest things videos. Just walking them around.
2: <laughs>
0: so Kaylee, what's your favorite part about Farm Fair?
2: Um, definitely, Well, helping with it, it has made me realize that we're really lucky to be able to have something like that because I remember going to it when I was in fourth grade and I was just like so excited to be there and be involved and learn about all these new things and it's just something like, I even have an older brother that went, so hearing about it from him and then having to wait until I was a fourth grader to go just made it even more exciting when I got there and then this past year I was beyond excited to be able to help and share that experience with the younger generation. Nice.
3: Yeah, our county does a great job of putting on Farm Fair. It's put together by some volunteers that run a committee called the Farm Fair Committee and. My favorite part is when the buses show up in the morning and all the fourth graders get to come off and how excited they are to just get to spend the day on a farm learning about agriculture. A little bit more personal than that for me is watching the fourth graders look up to our high school students who are volunteering, and they see them as like these big, great leaders that know a ton about everything. And it's just pretty cool to watch that our leader, our students can be those leaders for them.
0: Right on. Now, we were, uh, you guys were talking a bit about Farm Fair and the similar programs, as solutions to, uh, to the kids not being as interested or not having that knowledge about agriculture. So do you think Farm Fair is one of the uh, better things that is currently offered or do you think that we could be doing something better? Hands
1: down, Farm Fair is one of the best experiences that uh, I have ever seen outside of actually getting into livestock, just diving heads first into it. From just someone as a hobbyist looking into it Farm Fair is just a great opportunity where we get out of the classroom and get hands-on experiences and not learning through a screen or through paper or whatever. And they get to actually feel what these animals do and get to meet these uh, wonderful animals.
3: We can tell during Farm Fair that this isn't the first conversations these fourth graders have had about some of the different stations. I think their fourth grade teachers are doing an outstanding job And kind of hyping them up and getting them some base knowledge so that when they show up at Farm Fair, they have a better understanding of what's happening. So those one-day events are great for learning about agriculture, but these need to be daily conversations that we're having.
2: I would definitely say it's a great program that we have. And it's nice to see that it starts the interest in these kids young and sticks with them for a while because it's such an amazing experience.
0: Absolutely. Well... Recording this in our lunch hour, and uh, looks like that's about to finish up. and I've got a lot of stuff to pack up, so thank you guys so much for your time. Thank you for being on the Cultivating Community Podcast, and thank you for all the input you guys had and all the facts you presented. Thank you Absolutely, thank
3: you. All right, you as well.
0: What a great interview that was. Sorry for the background noise guys, we were recording in the ag room at Belgrade High during lunch break. Thanks again to Kaylee, Alexa, and Mr. Gavin for your time for joining us today and giving us your two cents on the shortage of ag educators and students. As a few reminders, we are selling leather stamped trucker hats and t-shirts, so talk to a Belgrade FFA chapter member about getting those. You can see what all those look like on any Belgrade FFA social media accounts. We recently finished our annual Christmas tree fundraiser, our biggest fundraiser of the year. So, thank you to members of the community who purchased their trees from us. Your purchase helps Belgrade FFA to travel, compete, buy supplies, and Go ahead and like and follow the podcast wherever you're listening from. Leave us a five star review if you enjoyed. Leave a comment or email us at cultivatingcommunitypodcast at gmail.com, and you might hear yourself on the next episode. Let us know if you have any ideas for something you want to hear on the podcast or just have something you want to say to us. We are still looking for a new segment, as I mentioned earlier, preferably something that can involve you with the listener. This has been the Cultivating Community Podcast. I'm your host, Faze Holland, and here's our new outro music by Mr. Brian Lumley, member of the FFA. Thank you, Brian, and thanks for listening
3: and support your local farmers. That was fine with me, cause I was glad to be in good standing with the FFA.
1: It's the only club I know of where corduroy still is style. You know, that my best in official dress always drives all the ladies wild. A future farmer of America what I am and what I always say. I never cared for school, man, it sure fool to be a member of the FFA.